This episode of Living Strong is brought to you by Canadian Protein. Are you tired of having to spend so much money on your supplements and not getting the best quality possible? Canadian Protein has fixed that issue. They offer the best quality at a fraction of the price. I personally get all my supplements from them. Their plant-based protein powder is the best I have ever tasted, has amazing flavors, and not at all chalky. Do you want to get your hands on some of the best supplements out there? Head on over to CanadianProtein.com and use code LIVINGSTRONGPOD at checkout for 10% off your first order. This week on the Living Strong Podcast, we sit down with Mo Shediak, an amazing guy. His story through health and fitness is astonishing. He went from being overweight to now competing at the elite level in OCR races. Stay tuned, guys. Very interesting podcast coming up. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Living Strong Podcast. On Living Strong, we sit down and discuss with athletes, trainers, and health and fitness experts. Our goal is to inspire and challenge you to become the best version of you that can be. And we're back with a new episode of the Living Strong Podcast. Today, my guest is Mo Shiriak. Mo, welcome to the show. Hey, folks. Thank you. So, uh, Mo, give me a bit of a, a history, or uh, I know you have a very interesting life-changing uh, story. So maybe we could start off on that end and give our listeners a bit of a, a background on uh, who you are. Yeah, for me, the basics. Right now, I'm 39 and uh, really only found fitness or any form of fitness at about the age of 35. Uh, it's one of those ones that uh, kind of after I left the nest and home at 18, uh, didn't appreciate uh, what a healthy diet was, basically no exercise. And at my worst, uh, probably my mid-30s, uh, ballooned about 250 pounds. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was me before finding any type of fitness. And it was actually uh, it was actually a work group that kind of got me in the gym to start the slow process of learning uh, what exercise was and how to do it. Cool. And uh, so that work group, was it... Uh like was it forced upon you or, or you decide you know what I want to give it a try like were you uh, in the mindset that you had to make a change or uh, were you happy the way you were no you know really I think for a lot of people it's almost just happy uh, being content and things kind of just roll in year after year and you don't really see a need for a change but I wouldn't say I was forced into it but it was a couple guys that were persistent on a lunch break on night shifts to, Hey man, come to the gym, come to the gym. And it probably took about six months of saying no before I finally did. Because for me, I had a lot of preconceived notions of what the gym was. And it was like, oh, that's, that's just not me. But at the same time, I remember at the height of my weight, I used to actually see stars or get dizzy bending over to tie my shoes. It was that bad. But again, you'd look at that and say, Oh, why didn't he see a problem back then? But I guess I was just, I was just comfortable well, yeah, and, and if it's a bit of like my story as well. We discussed this a bit before. It's the same thing when, like, uh, when I was at my, my my peak of my weight, I just was comfortable. I wasn't uh, I wasn't looking to change until I realized that I needed a change, um, and and then I got into the gym. When you started joining the gym with your buddy, buddies from from work and all that, how did you uh, like? What was that feeling? Did you feel uh, satisfied? Did you feel that? Hey, I, I actually like. Did you, because you mentioned that your thoughts about the gym were like, that wasn't for you and all that. Did you start feeling that right away or did it take some time uh, 
once you join the gym to to feel comfortable and to 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 start working out more and often and getting becoming the better you yeah it was it was actually a smaller gym a work gym that wasn't a commercial gym but it was a smaller version of a, a commercial one i guess and no absolutely i i hated it i loathed it for probably two or three months i i absolutely hated it and i tell you the truth i don't know what kept me going to it but it was literally only about three months and uh that same group uh they had looked at uh, something online and they said hey i don't know what this is but there's something called the spartan race in uh, wentworth in halifax nova scotia no one knew what it was but it was only like three months after i started the gym and uh Not that we had a whole lot of this in Nova Scotia, but Spartan gave it a try for uh, a year or two before yeah. it folded here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, due to popularity. But we went to that, and that's, I would dare say, that first Spartan race, it was a sprint on June 6th in 2015. And that's what solidified the whole work ethic thing and wanted to make me actually do more with working out and starting cardio. And that was kind of the, the precipice. To tell you the truth, I don't know that I would have stuck with what I was doing in the gym if it wasn't for that first Spartan race. Yeah, for sure. And that first Spartan race, uh, everyone remembers the first Spartan race. So tell us a bit how, how that first Spartan race went for you. Uh, what was the <laughs> outcomes? And then we'll, get it, we'll compare it to where you're at right now in uh, the Spartan races and all that. Yeah, so it was, a, like I said, it was a sprint on June 6th in 2015, and there was uh, six guys. We did it as a group. Uh, we shared burpees, and we did lots of burpees. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was wet and cold that day. I remember it was raining and uh, failed a lot of things. Failed spear throw, failed the monkey bars. Um, got the rope climb, though. Oh, wow. Yeah, three or four obstacles we failed, and... Uh, <laughs> It took us, if I remember right, it was about two hours and six minutes to, to finish the sprint that day. But I remember the most uh, defining thing after was just the, the excitement of actually, well, at that point, just jogging, walking, and the entertainment of the obstacles and going through things. But I remember going home that night and looking at the, the metal and wondering what this red wedge was in the back. And I, I couldn't figure out why they would attach this secondary metal to this metal. And I remember Googling it and seeing that the It was actually part of this trifecta and there were their other races. But, of course, back home, there was nowhere to do these other races. And I remember getting onto their site and Googling it and saying, hey, it was Mount Saint-Marie that August that they had the, a, a weekend. And it was the beast and the super and that these things came together to make a trifecta. And it was all the excitement of that. That was all my first experience with Spartan on that day. Yeah, and and then from that experience, like it, it just leads on to, to to wanting more, and like you said, you right away you you start googling and looking into it, and it, it's I find that uh, for people that that do need a kick in the ass on on trying to change their life, mm -hmm. throwing them into a into an OCR it doesn't have to be Spartan, but any any OCR race, the fulfillment and the feeling you get once you you completed that race. You're, for me, especially even to this day, I feel like I'm on top of the world. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a king and I could take over anything, right? I don't know if you, you share those same feelings or like now it just became, became more of a, a race and like more, not of a job, but like more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a habit other than a, a, something to, to look forward to. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing between like obstacle course racing and the, let's say the brand Spartan is it's the, the ideal that there is failure built into it. 
that you can yeah. do races like a, a hurricane heat or an ultra beast and even a, a super or a, a beast and people dnf for those type of things so i think that part of the feeling and the excitement is with it is that necessarily it's not achievable for everyone at every block of life and you have to earn it so of course that's what makes the accomplishment seem and, and really they, they are much more than just your typical race because that is that yeah. fear of failure and that's what kind of really no for sure a lot yeah, for sure. And since since 2015, right? Since 2015, how many how many races have you have you completed since that day? Since your first, uh, you, you know, know what? It's uh, look. I've done quite a few. I've played <laughs> different brands. I've done Savage Race, Spartan Race, uh, yeah. Spartan Race, Bone Frog, uh, Battle Frog. I did one of those. Um, do a lot of actually road races and trail races too oh, cool. for training in the off season. So probably about uh, I'm going to say somewhere around eighty ninety. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. I'm 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 not I'm nowhere close to that yet, but yeah. that's my goal shortly. Um, so, uh, do you find that uh, wanting to complete uh, more Spartan races, more road races, and all that helps? with the overall process of staying in shape or do you still find sometimes that you, you fall off the bandwagon and, and you need a, like a pick me up to get back into that, that groove and to like, sometimes for myself, I'll just give an example. I would go like maybe a, I, still to this day, sometimes I, I'll go a full month uh, training and all that and take, uh, eating healthy and then end up going out one night and, like next couple of days, I, I, it's hard to catch up and I feel sluggish and I feel like, what am I like? I, I have to try to re reimagine my why and why I'm doing this. And then I get back into the, the regular group. But do you, do you still, do you feel like that the Spartan race could help as if you have the, those goals out there that uh, you won't go into that downfall and you'll always keep at a level, at a, a level state for you? It's funny. I talked to my wife about that about a month ago and uh, the first year, definitely. Yes. Cause I was more unfocused in the sense that I was just out there to, I wanted to do the races, collect the medals and go see the venues. So it wasn't as focused as making long-term goals and achieving anything as it was just throwing myself at a bunch of races. Okay. But it's funny because now I look at it and I say that I, I don't know that if I was doing competitive pro elite racing now that I would be at the same level. I, I, when I talk about like, you know, like, uh, nutrition and training, I don't think it would be at the same level I am right now, but it definitely wouldn't be nothing if I was just somewhere in the middle, like a hybrid approach. Okay, cool. And, um, so you mentioned a bit of elite and that's, so are right now, are you racing uh, elite races and, and competitive or age group uh, races, or are you still doing open heats? Uh, I did open heats for the first year and actually it was, it was that that first year was a funny year because I got my trifecta in Mount St. Marie and then I actually, I got so excited into it. I went and I did a super in New Jersey in September. Okay. And I went down to Carolina that November and did a, it was a beast in a sprint weekend. So it just made the double trifecta and that wow. sprint in Carolina in the same year was uh, the first one I raced elite in and I, I did pretty good with it. And that's kind of what got me the bug that, Again, we talk about motivators and what gets you going forward. It's like, you know what? I did pretty good with this, and I want to see if I can do uh, good with the elite type of thing. And it came from finishing um, some of these races, like five, six hundredth out of a couple thousand. Yeah. And just knocking it away. And eventually it was 300 and then 250. And then top 100 was big. I remember that in 2016. Wow. 
and and uh, obviously for you to to be knocking those competitors and going higher up in the ranks and the elite, you're taking this like you mentioned a lot more seriously. So if if you don't mind, can you walk us a bit in, in a day in the life of Moshiriak and how uh, you you prepare yourself uh, for uh, for training and and racing and all that? How do you keep yourself in in the shape that you are right now? Well, probably 90% of it. I, I don't even say 95% of it's nutrition. It's, of it's mostly nutrition. Um, Training-wise, I uh, for years, I was doing my own thing and seeing pretty good gains every year in my physical fitness. But I found it very difficult to stay focused with making my own training and what that should look like. So it was actually just uh, two years ago, I had a professional run coach where I live. And I did just run training alone. And that was pretty good, but uh, it really wasn't uh, enough. And I guess this, this whole backstory to that. But I train with Yancey Camp now, actually, YanceyCamp.com, yes. Yancey Cult. So yeah. for me, what a day in the life of what that would look like uh, would be three specific obstacle course racing training programs uh, with Yancey, uh, a couple easy runs, a rest day, and a long run. And to fortify all that in the middle is uh, I'm very, very specific in the last, especially two and a half years, my nutrition. Uh, people would say I never want to eat like that. But actually for me, uh, the two things with eating is that you got to enjoy what you eat. If you don't like what you eat, you'll never stick with it to make consistency. Yeah. And uh, the other part of it is, is that you, uh, you have to be eating foods that you feel satisfied with and you're full and you're not hungry all the time. And once you have that, you're good. So kind of the evolution and I say every year like everything changes with you always uh, remold and rework what you do to meet your goals so for me last year actually it was uh November 27th 2018 uh, turned vegan nice so, cool yeah I have a vegan lifestyle now and it was very easy to transition and actually uh, benefits me a lot in racing so uh, a day in life of what that would look like would be basically for me is eating anywhere from 21 to 2200 calories of plant-based food and my uh, typical workouts and just grinding through and trusting the process that I'm getting fitter every, every month by doing it. Awesome. You mentioned uh, Yancey uh, Culp. I'm actually uh, scheduled something with him because uh, I, I take uh, his training as well. So I'm actually yeah. getting him on the podcast shortly. He said after Tao. So in the next coming weeks, I'm going to be scheduling a date with him. So it's going to be really cool. Um, he's an awesome uh, coach and his programs for OCR and just even if you're not doing OCR and you're taking his, his regular, he has now a, a regular beginners class, like a course. They're really, really good. And I find that uh, they really help uh, in keeping you stay fo- keeping you on track and keeping you focused. Uh, you mentioned nutrition and something that I like that you mentioned is that your calorie intake. So do you track uh, to the T your calories or it's, you know, more or less what you're eating and, uh, you're, you're, you're you know, a banana's X amount of calories. So if you're having a banana that you're, you're, you're diminishing those numbers from your, your, your total a day, or do you actually track it every day? It's, it's a funny question because for me, I track it on just a simple app on my phone, a free app, my fitness pal. Yeah, of course. Um, at the end of the day, do I have to track it? Definitely not. I, I know now after two and a half solid years of eating a specific way that I could probably guess within 50 calories and within my macros. Um, someone like my wife absolutely hates tracking food, can't get her to do it, finds it boring. But for me, the biggest thing I like with it is even though I know calorically what I'm eating, I really do believe in eating for macros as well. 
And uh, the big thing is fat and sugars. So for me, at the end of the day, like everyone in the world seems to, after six o'clock, get the, the hunger cravings or they want yes. a snack or something. So yes. for me, at the end, when I want something that I want to satisfy my hunger with, uh, I look at it and it's like, if I've had a lot of fruits and sugars during the day, it's like, well, I'm not going to go for the bowl of raspberries. I'm going to go for maybe uh, something with a little more fats and maybe a couple of tablespoons of peanut butter. So number one, I, I like seeing where my macros are at the end of the day. And I find it just, it just keeps me accountable. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in between, I guess, uh, you and, and your wife. I, uh, I'm not uh, like every day tracking my food, but whenever I do make a new, uh, a new meal or something that, that I find out oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a meal prep of this or, or something like that, I'll track it in, the, in my fitness pal as well just to see the calories so I know more or less what I'm eating and how much I, need, I have left over for that day and all. But I do find that when I was tracking my food uh, rigorously, I was seeing a lot more uh, benefits from it. And it's maybe something that uh, it's needed if you want to compete at a, at a certain level. You need to, it's, part of, it's part of the training. You need to, to keep up with your, your, tra- your, your nutrition and you need to make sure it's, it's A1. And I think you, you believe in that as well. Yeah, there's different facets with it. But one thing I like about my fitness pal and tracking, it, and one thing it did for me, and I know it does for everyone, is it teaches you how to eat. Yes, because of course. At the end of the day, if you look at your, your macros, your calories, and they're way out of whack, guess what? It forces you to go back and look in the app and say, well, geez, if I was three times over my sugar, what did I eat? And you yeah. look and you find it, you make adjustments. So it's really a, it, it's a nutrition trainer is what it is. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so... Now, we spoke a bit about your, your journey with uh, your health and your fitness and all that. If you could go back, back to uh, your, uh, that day that you, you joined the, you know, the work gym with your, your, your work buddies, if you could go back and do everything all over again, what would you do differently? Or would, would you just do everything the way you did it completely from, from day one? Number one, the, the only thing I ever wish that I, I shouldn't say even I wish because I can't change, I would have started a lot earlier. Of course. Uh, I look at where I am now with like my race performance and human performance at 39, and I'm thinking, man, if I would have started this five, six, ten years ago, I'd be a lot further. But uh, yeah, the, the other side of it is, is uh, just the things you can't change, and there's only one way to go forward and just look ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so like uh, for me too, if I would have started a lot earlier, I think I would have been in a, a better position at the moment right now than saying next year it's going to be the, the, the big year, you know. Um, so I, I saw a couple posts on your Instagram uh, a couple days ago, weeks ago, I'm not sure exactly when, but it was about some supplements that you take every day and an IV cocktail that you do. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So what are the benefits of that? Well, basically with supplementation, um, that's one thing that I've grown over the years. I used to take everything under the sun, but now for me, supplements are just exactly what they're called. They're supplement food and you should be getting most of your vitamins and nutrients from food itself. But there's certain things that you need a little bit of extra boost with for sure. And for me, like some of the supplements are uh, calcium, uh, vitamin K2, which is a, a booster as well in conjunction with the calcium. I like an omega-3 uh, just for structure and bone health. Um, and that, sorry to, to stop you, but that omega-3, since you're vegan, it's, it's al- algae omegas or are you still taking uh, fish omegas? 
Yeah, no, not not, not the, the fish omegas, uh, okay. just the, the vegan approved uh, omegas. Probably not okay. as potent as the, the fish oils, but... But it's still it's still good for sure. Yeah, and like at the end of the day, uh, I believe in some vitamin C as well because even though I eat fruit as well, I'm not getting enough of the vitamin C I, I need. So vitamin C is a good immune boost as well, and and just B12 for brain function and everything else. So it's just the the regular cocktail of, of daily vitamins that supplement the food I eat just to top off my levels and make sure I'm at where I, I need to be, especially for bone health. For sure, for sure, and and. Um... So, so that cocktail is just an addition to to the the supplementation and all that. Um, that's that's really cool. I, I've seen a lot of people doing the these IV cocktails, and honestly, I don't know. I would like to try one, but I have no idea where in Montreal I could go and get get this done. After have, have to look more into it. Um, Mostly a naturopathic type of thing, and I yeah. stumbled on it by accident, really myself, by being at the naturopath with my wife, and he knew I was going to a race, and he mentioned it and. The biggest benefit with an IV cocktail, like the Myers cocktail, in my case, they're fully customizable. In my case, it was 17 vitamins and uh, minerals and nutrients. But the big thing is that IV right into the blood, there's a lot of latency. It sticks around and it's, it's direct into the muscles yeah. as opposed to when you uh, eat something like a, a pill or a vitamin, how much you really absorb is an individual thing depending on health and a whole bunch of different factors. And you don't know how much of you're getting, whereas the direct injection, you're, you're getting it all. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so we, we spoke about the OCR, the different types of OCR races uh, that you, you, uh, you completed uh, throughout the, the years. Uh, we spoke a bit about this off, offline, but what's your, your favorite OCR race and why? For me, I have to say it's uh, 2016, uh, March, Tampa Bay, Florida Battle Frog. It was, uh, of course, no more Battle Frog, but it was one of those things where I didn't even take it as a real race. Battle Frog was an interesting series because it was based on eight-kilometer loops. Yeah. Uh, the Open was one lap, uh, Elite was two, and the BFX or the Battle Frog, uh, the endurance event was how many you could do within eight hours, and at the time... I had set goals and my goals were just super high. I was basically just chasing the hardest thing out there to see how I stood up. And it was an ultra beast in Spartan. And actually the Florida race, I just did that as a tester two months before the April, New Jersey ultra beast. I hadn't even signed up for it, but said, you know what? It's flat. It's Florida. I want to see if I can do, you know, 40, 50 kilometers of this. And if I can, I'll sign up for the ultra. For and, sure. Uh, it was one of those races. It was a lot harder than I thought. It was all upper body. There was no, rope climbs it was two rings into a rope and then two rings out of the rope and a lot of rigs and by the end of the day i did uh did six laps or 48k and finished in second place overall wow. the day so yeah i was pretty pumped with that and it was a really really good race and just the the feel in florida and the sun and the way the obstacles were laid out and the distance it was it was definitely by far my my favorite experience yeah that that must have been also a more uh the, just being in florida because like you mentioned you're you're from halifax so the the temperature difference and all that uh, must have took a toll on your your body as well right yeah absolutely uh, a lot of hydration during the yeah, race well, too that's, but that's, just yeah. uh yeah it was probably about 32 degrees celsius that day wow. but it was just it was one of those races i always enjoyed the the endurance type of races uh, just because i mean you're dealing with a lower heart rate not pushing into the lactic threshold more comfortable more painful but you're not dealing with those high, high heart rates. So I, I always enjoyed the long ones as well. Yeah, for sure. 
that's really cool. I, I, I've never done a, a, a Battle Frog or, or any of their series, so uh, with the, if they were still, now they're not around at all, right? They they stopped them for uh, completely, or they just stopped that that aspect of the race. No, unfortunately, Battle Frog a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, they just they went under. They're no more, and I only got to do the one race. And I was outside uh, the coveted Trident in first place in the BFX by one place, and I was meant to go back at it, but never had a shot. No, man, it sucks. Uh, so, and most of our listeners m- might know, maybe they don't, but uh, Spartan 2020 in Canada is changing, right? Yes. Uh, Spartan Canada is no longer Spartan Canada. We're getting the Spartan US uh, team involved. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think it's going to bring uh, a lot of difference uh, and more challenges to the current uh, race setup that we have? Or do you think it's just something that was supposed to, that that was meant to be done and it's going to stay the still it's still going to stay the same as it is right now it's just that it's going to be Spartan US managing it well i'll tell you my perspective on it i, I think i know a little more about it than the common person just because i i, I talked to and know the the former race director johnny wake quite yeah. a bit and we've talked the last couple of years and i remember when he took over i seen him at the owl's head uh, event i think yeah. that was i want to say it was 2017 Okay, and yeah. he was just taken over at that time. And they were talking about the influences and building new obstacles and a uh, different feel. And if you remember that time too, they were just getting the finisher's tent with the, uh, yes. Yeah. You can you check your score, like the, the live results and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I race a lot in the U S too. So I have a pretty good perspective of what they're doing in the U S uh, usually in there about three times a year. I think yeah. that the biggest thing that with the U.S. taking it over is, uh, like Desina says, the standardization of the sport. So, you know, we've, they've been using styrofoam uh, down there for the spear throws since the last year. We're still on hay. I think you'll see that. Uh, like in Whistler, B.C., they were with the styrofoam. Yeah. So yeah. The, the hay will be gone. And you'll, I think what you'll start to see is uh, it's not going to be so much of a, a runner's-only race. It's going to be a true of, of running an obstacle and strength because when I raced in the US I raced against guys that were uh, they were faster than me but then come at the end of the day I was able to to beat certain people because there's heavy carries down there there's heavy carries all over the place for longer distances than we had in Canada they had the Oklahoma tire flip yep. the monkey bears were harder on the hands because they were bigger they were spread further apart uh, whereas racing in Canada I did well with it this year here, but it was I definitely, definitely felt that Canada this year was much more of a, it was a runner's race compared to the States. So I think next year uh, you're going to see a, a lot of difference. I know they haven't knocked down a lot of what their venues are. I was a big fan of hoping for the sport here in Canada that they were going to choose different venues. Yeah. Just because I know they had dwindling numbers the last couple of years because people got bored of the same obstacles, the same venues. For sure. So I see they're going with a few of the same venues, which I don't know. I think it might take a year or two to build that, build the trust back in the people. But uh, definitely excited. I'm definitely going to be a fan of doing the, the races here east and probably a few west coast as well. Nice. And so for the amount of races that you, you because this is something that fascinates me a lot. It's like for me, it, it's trying to juggle my life and, and the races. And there's not like in Montreal, I get sort of lucky I could go to the Quebec race I'm not sure if they're doing one this year but I know they're doing a Montreal one but I could have went to the Quebec race and sometimes there's two Montreal races so I could more or less get three races and maybe drive out to Ontario and get a couple more out, out there but you're mentioning that you went to Florida to this to that and how how do you do you like 
what's like your your living aspect at these races because i find like for me when when i go to to ontario and stuff i don't want to rent out a hotel room because then my nutrition is going to be whack because i won't be able to cook the the foods that i need and and all that so i, I always need to rent out uh like a a little cottage or something and, and it starts adding up the dollar value so how how do you work around that do you do you prep uh like i, I know one person before they race they prep all their meals so they're just eating uh leftover meals and they use the microwave to, to heat them up and all that so they could rent a hotel room are you on that aspect of it or do you kind of do a mixture of both it for me if i was driving it was surely easier because i'd pack everything in a cooler and i was good to go sure. of course flying you can't do that yeah um, for me the cheat i guess is being vegan now it's super easy because if i fly somewhere i locally literally hit the local walmart once we hit buy some water buy some, uh, you know, veggie greens and uh, some uh, veggie burgers and different stuff and things you could you could almost really eat raw if you wanted to with some vegetables yeah. or salads. But uh, the, the big part is, is just being uh, consistent and knowing what you're going to eat. And, you know, for a lot of it too, for racing, I mean, my favorite go-to before race, uh, depending on the length of the race, sprint or super or whatever it is, I'll just eat it early. But my favorite go-to has always been... Uh, uh, like a tortilla wrap, a banana, and two tablespoons of peanut butter before a race, and stuff like that doesn't go bad. So it's good for yeah, for too. sure, for sure. Awesome, that's really cool. And uh, when you when you do, uh, let's say races that have a sprint, beast, or even when it's a trifecta weekend, are you competing in all three races, or do you pick and choose the ones they want to compete in? And do you, I, I know the answer to this, but I'll ask you the question: Do you volunteer uh, to 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 help out the the race? Yeah, awesome question. It's funny because if you would have asked me this two years ago, it was like, for me, I'm the furthest away on the planet you could be towards a race. The, the closest race to me is a 12-hour drive. Okay, exactly. And exactly. after that, I'm flying. And so for me, two years ago, and even a little bit last year, I was, uh, if I'm going to a race weekend and investing this kind of money, I'm doing everything. Yeah. But then well, that, that's my idea right now, right? So, like, <laughs> I, I want to build up my races. So, I'm like, okay, I have yeah. to. I made my race schedule for next year with the dates I've seen. And I'm like, okay, well, there's two races that weekend. I have to do the two races because I'm, I'm going out of my way to get there, right? So, yeah. Keep here, here, here's what I would say to that. You know, from, from my standpoint now, looking back on it, I'd say you're crazy, pick and choose your races, but you have to live through the process. You, you have to do it for a reason. Like, when I started, uh, my second year, I got in the endurance events and did like the, I, I did a, actually a couple ultra beasts. And then I got wow. the hurricane heat, the 12 hour hurricane heat. And my wife always goes back and says, man, you could have done so much better if you were to just focus on something rather than endurance and sprints and everything else. Yeah. But it's a process. I had to go through it. And I'm proud to say that I have a trifecta and endurance trifecta, all these different races. So I think the process is important as well. Yeah, and then sure. later on, I got to the point now where I specialize and actually I haven't done a beast level race or an ultra beast in uh, two years. The last one was a Stoneham ultra beast in uh, wow. 2017 because I went there after that race and actually it was Quebec in 2018 and we drove 12 hours to Stoneham and it was the ultra beast and sprint yeah. weekend. And I drove there just to do the sprint. And I literally, literally went back and forth with my wife for two weeks saying, I am not driving 12 hours and spending thousands of dollars for a sprint. That is insane. Yeah. And her way of looking at it was, well, 
go ahead and do the beast and see how you feel next day during the sprint. You're not exactly. going to do well. <laughs> and it was the, it was the nationals, the Canadian national sprint. Yeah. And it was the first time that it came together after years of training and eating, mind you. But uh, that day I finished second in the men's elite and podium. Nice. In the, so typically what we do now is whenever we go to events, like we just came back from the Dundroon trifecta yeah. weekend yeah. is I'll, the only thing I've done in the last two years is sprint and supers. That's kind of my specialty. And I'm at the point now where I'm in the last 12 months I've had five male elite podiums and that's in Canada and the U S too. Oh, so, nice. so it's at the nice. point now where we go down, if there's a bunch of races, I'll always volunteer during the beast and ultra beast with my wife. So same day, it gives me that rest day where I'm not going to be fresh for three races, but I'll certainly be at the top of my game for the first two. And then I'll give back and volunteer. And that, that, makes me more than elated and i love getting out there volunteering too yeah awesome I, like i volunteered as well for the the Dunchun race uh and i that's where I, I first i'm not sure if you remember that's where i first met you was there when we were waiting for the volunteer uh, discussion we were talking yeah. about uh, races and all that um so um i volunteered and and, and uh, the feeling of volunteering at a race is just incredible it's uh when everybody's saying thank you and you're seeing all these people all these walks of life doing this race and everybody has their story and sometimes people because i was at a water station so sometimes people would stop and they would i would ask them some questions and they would tell me oh i'm doing the race because of this or because of that or i'm doing the race in honor for for this person and it's just to to see all these people that they all came together to do something and to 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 become a better person in in their life and in their health and and and, and everything around them is is really uh, is really nice to see um so yeah so that's for for me as well like like i mentioned to to my wife is that next year i'm gonna do a lot more volunteering because it's part of the i find out that it's part of the the whole spartan lifestyle it's the not those man yeah Absolutely. exactly exactly so you're, you're going there to to race but you're also going there to give back as much as you can so that's something that i uh, i'm looking forward to as well uh so you mentioned your wife does your wife race or is she just uh uh, your number one fan <laughs> she had uh, she used to in, in 2015 and 2016 uh, race and it was actually pretty cool because i would uh, at that point there i was getting in the elite heats and i would race the elite heat and we'd schedule her for the open at like 9 30 10 o'clock and then i'd go and rerun it with her as the nice. open nice but yeah. um, she kind of got away from it and it wasn't her thing after a couple of years and now every race we go to she volunteers awesome and uh either volunteers and or some of the ones that she does and it's just basically a race support okay cool 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 yeah i'm trying to get my my wife and try to, to do her first uh, spartan race we'll see maybe 2020 is gonna be the year that she's gonna uh, bite the bug you know um so uh what are your your goals for uh 2020 what are your your your, your yeah what are your goals let's start with that my uh, my big goal, like say moving throughout the years from like open to all this stuff and chasing podiums is now uh, I did uh, this year here, the Jacksonville Super, and that was part of their uh, U.S. National Series. Okay. So yeah. I did that. I was way out of my league. I raced the Elite Heat and of course was all like Ryan Atkins and yeah. uh, Robert Kelly and those guys. So didn't finish obviously where I wanted to, but it wasn't possible either. Uh, so I think uh, depending on where, when they release their dates, I'm going to make another run at that mountain series or the, okay. the U S nationals, but as age group. Okay. Because cool. 
in the U.S. in those series age group, it's about as competitive with the series age group in those races as it is, is our Canadian elite racing. Of course, of course. And that's something I was probably going to look into myself is maybe before getting right into jumping the gun and going into elite next year is I'm probably going to start in the age group uh, for, for my age and then see how I, I go there and then test the waters in elite maybe more at the end of the season for 2020. Yeah, 100%. And when I was coming through, they didn't have age group. That's yeah. the big difference. But the thing is, if you start podium in the age group, every time you have positive expectations that you meet a goal, it just keeps you pushing further. And we kind of talked exactly. about there is what keeps the consistency in your eating and the working out. There has to be something you're getting out of it. And you have to be matching your goals as a result. And that, that's all that the build towards it. Exactly, exactly. And uh, have you already set certain races that you want to attend for 2020 or you, you're still not looking at that yet? You're giving it some time. Yeah, so for 2020, um, definitely going to be hitting the, the Canadian uh, Spartan series in the eastern provinces. So they've already released dates for uh, I believe it's, uh, Montreal and Toronto, yeah. a few different ones. So those are definitely ones in stone that I'll be heading to. And, so we'll uh, definitely see each other at those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, and in the U.S., like I said, I'm usually there three, maybe four times a year, but until they release their uh, their U.S. National Series, the only one I know I'll be at is uh, the Boston one in August. I really enjoy that, the Boston Sprint Super at the 508 International. Oh, yeah, I, I was actually looking at that one to potentially, because I wanted to try to do a, a U.S., uh, like an actual U.S. race uh, this year. And I was looking at uh, the Boston, and then I got a bit of a, a tingle in my my myself and i saw uh, the, the vermont and going to the home of spartan i was like ah maybe that might be the one i want to do but i know that one's going to be really intense so i'm not uh, yeah. i'm not sure yet <laughs> have you have you done uh, the one in killington yet or uh, not yet you know what after all these years I've, I've never did the race in killington oh wow no it's it's not one i've ever hit yet and uh, now like I say, i'm super picky and choosy where i go to but for sure the uh, the boston one like i say is just one of those good races it's a it's a fairly close drive for me and the one yeah. thing I, I like about the u.s ones and i hope we get here in canada is the atmosphere of DJs, course dj's on the course a lot yeah. of music and it's just a lot of hype so fingers crossed for canada 2020 yeah yeah because I, I and and that's what i was talking to my uh, my cousin about as well because i got him into to, to racing spartan races and all that and when uh, he found out that 2020 we're going to be getting the the u.s uh, branding and all that he was super stoked because he said to me he's like it's going to be it's going to be a game changer because of all uh, what the u.s brings just in the the, the event it, it's just going to be awesome. It, it's, I think that's going to grab a lot more people in Canada to, to start doing races. And the people that were there that started backing out of it, I think it's going to bring them back in. It's going to hook them back into to racing. Yeah, you might see it take a year. But Johnny Wade here did a great job. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. You're, I think they're limited financially with certain things. And I, I hope they infuse a little more of the U.S. money into the product here. Of and course. If they, if they do, I think we're going to do really well. And it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, it just sucks that that Johnny's not going to be part of it uh, for 2020 because I I did enjoy uh, running the races that he put together and he was he is an awesome guy. I know he's still working with Spartan and all that, but it would have been cool if he was still the race director for all, for Canada. Yeah, um, absolutely. So you mentioned hurricane heats. Yeah. How are they? Seriously. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I I think when you look at it, the 
four hour hurricane heat is something I'm going to say pretty much anyone could do. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. The 12 hour hurricane heat, uh, just because the fact that it's 12 hours overnight was much more of a grind. And, uh, the one I did actually was in, uh, Calabogie in Ottawa. Yeah. And, uh, it, like anything else, like the four hour one, no one failed at the 12 hour one. We probably cut through about 40% of the people that ended up failing it. Yeah. And uh, it was a good mental gut check, uh, definitely difficult. And what killed most people in the hurricane heat, the 12-hour hurricane heat, was the water immersions. It was three water immersions uh, during the night. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was cool out that night. And a lot of people were just, no, oh, it's three in the morning. I can't do it. I can't get back in the water. No, for sure. And uh, <laughs> an interesting story on my end. When I uh, did the Calabogie race last year in 2018, I was uh, waiting at the, the starting line and there was a uh, Two gentlemen in back of me, and I remember to this day, uh, they just finished the hurricane heat like a couple hours before, and they're lining up for a race. And I was like, "What the hell? These guys, <laughs> these guys are serious, you know?" Like, I was like, and I, and to that day, I'm like, uh, I, I still I remember that guy's face, and and like he was. We started when we took off. We were staying together and all that, and he was he was just saying his story, his experience with the hurricane heat, and the fact that he's up right now and, and he's and he's racing a, a sprint i was like wow that's that's you got to be really tough you got to be a spartan to do that yeah when i came off the hill after mine it was uh, it was a super and i was actually registered to race the super that day after the the hurricane heat and i was i was coming off the hill registration was just opening up from the super and my wife was there and she said are you gonna do it <laughs> and for me at that point i was uh I was starting to get a little more pro with it and it was chasing podiums. I'm like, I could do it. Don't really feel great hobbling around, but I'm going to be nowhere near that podium or probably even the top 15. So now I, I backed out of this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, what, uh, it's something I do on, on every episode. What would be, uh, three tips, uh, that you would give the audience on, uh, basically health and fitness changing their life spartan any three tips that that you think that the audience could take back and implement into their day-to-day lives to become a better uh person and start living a stronger life the number one thing i would say is uh number one first of all is consistency and i don't care if it's if it's your eating how often you work out um what you do but try to find something that you're consistent, that you can be consistent with because consistency is the key to life. And it doesn't matter if it's, uh, if it's racing, uh, how you eat, even how you treat your spouse. Uh, if you're consistent with whatever you do, yeah, for sure. you, you know, you'd be successful at what you do as long as you're consistent. So I, I'd say the number one thing is build consistency and think about whatever you're doing. Awesome. Uh, the second one is, um, like anything else, uh, not just for racing, but for racing certainly, is get your nutrition in check. And they kind of go hand in hand with consistency too. But nutrition is one of those things that it'll support all the lofty goals that you have to do better with what you're doing. But at the same time, even if it wasn't for racing, it's just just health. Like before I started, when I was at my worst, uh, you know, 245, 250 pounds down to like right now, 171 uh, my blood pressure was through the roof and they yeah, put sure. me on Lipidor and all these pills and seen stars bending over and, you know, within losing the weight, all that health stuff used to have gallstones, used to be bent over the bed sometimes with that pain in my sides after eating something, you know, yeah. wonky, but, you know, do it for yourself and stay consistent with your uh, nutrition. This is the big one. So you have your consistency, your nutrition, 
And then I'd say after that is uh, whatever you do, if it's road racing, OCR, endurance, or whatever you choose, do it because you love it. Because if you love what like you do that. and you have a passion for it, you're going to do more of it. And it's actually going to lead your life. It'll take, for me anyway, it's, it's taken my wife and I and even our kids. Uh, we've seen a lot of the U.S., most of Canada, yeah. uh, just because of it, because of the fact that I love it, she loves it. So yeah, and, whatever and you do, make sure yeah. it's not a job, make sure you love it. Exactly. Uh, that, I think that's uh, an awesome uh, tip uh, because if you don't love it, you'll get fed up and you'll you'll just bounce back to your regular self and you have to do it. if you're doing something you do it because you love it and and that's it obviously don't keep on eating a, a bag and a half of chips every night because you love it that's that's a kind of bad love it but that that's why it's number three because number two is get your nutrition check right so if your nutrition is check in check and then you're doing it because you're loving it i don't think you're eating that bag and a half of chips every night yeah, and, uh, and stuff like that. All three of those, like I say, it's not. It, you can apply it to your sport, your work life, your anything, personal really. life, anything. If you got those three things in check, I think you're pretty solid. Exactly, exactly. So it was awesome talking to you uh, today, Mo, and I, I learned a lot about you. And I think uh, the audience is going to love this episode. Um, where could they learn more about you? Like uh, any uh, social media or websites or anything that uh, that you have going on for yourself. Yeah, so for me, I'm actually taking on much more of a social media presence as of the last couple of months just to share my story out there. So yeah. Instagram is uh, Shediakm, so C-H-E-D-I-A-C-M. Yeah. Uh, you type that in, you'll uh, you'll find me. And on yeah. Facebook, it's just OCR space Mo, M-O. Uh, I usually share to both of them there, but actually on the... Uh, the Instagram profile, I, I like a lot more. I, I upload yeah. to both, but the, the Shediac M on Instagram, I actually have a little link there for a, a Wix account, and it shares my whole personal life with photos of where I was and what I did, and it's kind of like my online website of the, the transformation of what was to what is. Awesome, awesome. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Go check out uh, Mo on his Instagram and Facebook. Stay tuned to next week. Another episode is going to go live. Keep living strong. If you guys like this episode of The Living Strong, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And also, if you have a minute, go give us a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That would be amazing. Thank you, guys. Keep living strong. See you next week. Thank you for listening and being part of The Living Strong Podcast. Till next time, keep living strong.